on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. If you get that gut feeling like, hey, does it make sense monetarily? Does it make sense for my direction of where I'm trying to go? If you can honestly say, does this make sense for me right now? Do it. And if not, be okay with saying, you know, not now. You don't have to say no, but just say, hey, not now. There might be a time for it in the future. But once you make that decision, don't think about it again. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, Gathering the Kings Nation? Chaz Wolf, bringing to you a guest this week. Incredibly honored to have this guy on my show, Matt Pridemore. Um, he is a franchisee for a furniture brand, and um, he's got 14 freaking locations. I'll tell you what, this guy is young, he's fiery, he's ready to grow, he's always looking for the next deal, and um, man, I think that he brings uh, a ton of value, not only to the show, but just to just the outlook that he has on business and where he comes from, and he shares it all in this show. Grab that pen and paper, it's coming at you. All right, everybody, Gathering the Kings, I'm your host, Chaz Wolf. I've got Matt. I'm so glad that you're here, man. This has been a a, a, a well-awaited uh, appointment, and so I'm just thankful that you're here, man. Thanks for being with us. Hey, glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me, and uh, thanks for using Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've got, we've got a fun story here for the listeners today on how we met, but because the listeners can't see us um, until this video gets released later, um, we're rocking the Royal Blue memo today. Both of us rocking the Royal Blue and uh, and both workout shirts too, like both you know, uh, super fit over here. So there's got to be something to that, you know, success and and blue shirts. I don't know, right? I'll, I'll take it. I I I love the color blue. It uh, seems to <laughs> to roll with the eyes and and um, have fun with it. Yeah. There you go. All right, Matt. Tell us what kind of business that you have or businesses. Yeah. So I currently own and operate uh, 14 Badcock Furniture locations. They are franchises. There are 400 of those franchises across the Southeast um, in the seven Southeastern states. I have 14 of those, and um, that's where I'm at at this current moment. And I'm in basically Georgia and Alabama and adding on Mississippi. So. Yeah, I love it. And, and most of the times we've talked here offline, you've been in a location and looking at new locations and always growth-minded. I, I just have totally appreciated that about you, but I'm curious, before we kind of go back into the history, maybe talk about how we met and stuff, but why at this stage, you have 14 locations, like, and you're looking to add on another state. Why? Are you just nuts? Or like, is this something inside of you? What is this? Yeah, it's kind of funny as I have listened to some of the other guys that are coming on and talking on your podcast. It, it really kind of resonates very closely with me in this, uh, this mindset of, you know, for, for me, it's, it's the challenge part of it. I like, I love the challenge. Like I, I get bored really easily. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, I love to go in, you know, my favorite thing to do is go into a store that is underperforming or even failing or going bankrupt and 
and seeing the good that's in that store. And if I can, if there's just one little avenue that I see that I can get in there and I'm like, okay, we can fix this. We can fix this. We can fix this. And it'll run. It's go time. Like everything starts clicking back to back to back. So being at 14 now, and you know, when I first got into this whole thing, I kept thinking like, Hey, if I go buy some of these that, and, and get them going in the right direction and start making money and do all these big things that, you know, the employees will, you know, the team members will want to be business owners. And it's kind of funny. That's really not what's happening, but they are growing. They're growing exponentially because, because they're around, you know, the guys like me and the the leadership team and, and all these people that are, that are part of this, the opportunities just continue to, you know, kind of snowball out. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of them are not going to be business owners and I'm okay with that now, you know, obviously, you know, a couple of years ago, I was thinking, Hey, let's, let's get them to be business owners. And they're, 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 right. they're not going to be, but they're going to be store managers and regional managers and district managers. And, you know, yep. uh, I was, I was talking to one of my girls yesterday that is a, uh, she's a, she's a sales associate in one of my, my existing stores. And she came to me and she said, Hey, I actually got a degree in accounting and I want to use that accounting degree. And I've had another yeah. one that said, she, you know, she's, she, she got a degree in international business. I want to use that. I want to use that. I'm, great. Let's, let's figure out ways to use that. But if yeah. I was that single unit owner and only right. stayed single unit, number one, I'm not going to attract that level of talent, but number yep. two, they're going to leave pretty quickly because they, they have no opportunity to grow themselves. And so, yeah. you know, I'm just on that, that growth mind, that, that, that mindset, yeah. just, just a constant challenge type thing. Yeah. I heard you say several things and I think, um, most listeners, um, today resonate with at least one of them, but I heard you say growth mindset for yourself. Like, why not? It's a challenge. Like, let's just go, let's, let's just go, let's just figure it out, take the risk. It, there's always more. It's no longer about money. It's a, it's just the game. Like, let's just, let's just play the game. Let's play the game. Well, I also heard you say that you're starting to tap into raising up leaders because every business owner, especially at the seven figure plus, right. And, and you've got to develop a team, but then a lot of owners kind of get stuck even in that. And that's where a lot of even seven figure folks are stuck, which is like, I've built a team, but I don't have any leaders on my team. I'm not raising up any new individuals um, inside of the team to then take over areas like what you're saying. I love too, also from the multiple location perspective, just because obviously that's a little bit of my background is that if you can, have multiple things going on, then you can basically offer a different opportunity. And so I love your mindset. I love the growth opportunity. What that's done is it's spilled over to your team, to your people, to, you know, the people that you call family. Um, and so, exactly. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, the journey. Cause I know you've done this all pretty quickly and you didn't, you didn't like, you know, start out with a store. You had to buy your first one or you had to buy the second one. So tell us the journey of kind of like where you were before and how this whole thing kind of started dominoing for you. Yeah, and, and feel free to step in because I can probably get kind of wordy on this this whole part of the story. <laughs> sure. So I, uh, I I grew up, my parents owned uh, one location of Badcock, a uh, small okay. South Georgia town for uh, for 35 years. They, they, they added on a second location right when they were getting ready to retire, and we can talk about that as well. But for the majority of my life, they owned one location, and I saw them working inside their store twenty four seven. They were operators, yep. yep and exactly. they did a re- they did a really good job of that through the eighties and nineties. Like I give them tons of credit for the job they did. Um, but when I was sixteen years old, I looked at my dad and I said, "I never want to be a part of that. I see what you're doing, 
yeah. that looks like really hard work. And I'm going to exit stage left. I'm going somewhere yeah. else. And but so was I did. it because you were afraid of work or was it because you had a different idea of what success looked like? I had a complete different uh, of what success looked like. Great point there. Yeah. Um, but, but also, you know, I just had other dreams. Uh, you know, I had dreams in, in professional baseball from an umpiring standpoint nice. and I wanted, I wanted to realize those dreams. And so, you know, at, at 18, my dad said, well, uh, it's time to go to college. You're graduating high school. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa pump the brakes. I'm going to go to professional baseball umpire school down in Florida. And he's like, what? no way. There's <laughs> no way you're doing that. And I said, hey, I'm 18. What do I have to lose? If I go down there and I don't make it, yeah. hey, there's there's a million other things I can do in life. Seriously. And so I did. I, I left and, and went down to umpire school and, you know, busted my butt and I made it. And, you know, there were 400 uh, students down there. And out of those 400, I think the 25 guys made it into minor league baseball. And we start rising up through the ranks, like the players, that whole thing. So yeah. I did that. I did that, uh, until 2009 was my last season in baseball. And in 2009, I, I, I got some injuries, I uh, got some concussions, medically released all that. So Right at the end of baseball, um, the, the corporate arm of Badcock called me and said, hey, we would like for you to come work for corporate. We see a lot of potential in you. You've got a little bit of a background. You helped your sure. parents a little, you know, yeah. when you were younger. And I said, you know what? Yes, I'm, I'm 26, 27 at the time. Yeah, let, let's do that. And uh, so I, I went and worked for the corporate side. I managed a store. Now, you know, then they bumped me up to being a regional manager. So I did that. And, you know, for a couple of years, kind of milled around in that. but. Yeah. You know, that was my development stage, 27 to 31, 32. Yeah. And, um, and I was living an amazing life in Pensacola, Florida, right on the water, beautiful beach town. And yeah. I'm like, dude, life can't get any better. Like, this is great. And my parents call in 2000, the end of 2015. And they said, hey, um, if you're thinking of buying our store from us, you need to go ahead and come do it now. And That's I said, well, yeah. And so I had been saving my money and thinking that might be the possibility. So, you know, everything kind of came full circle and sure. I, I let the corporate side know I'm going to go buy my first store. I had saved up just enough money to get through. I, yeah. I looked at the bank account and I'm like, oh my God, $50,000, you know, I'm rich. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, so, man. you know, I, I found so out like SBA really process, like normal, like you went to the bank or how'd that go? How'd that look? So my, my parents did do a, a note for me on that first store. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. You know, so seller finance. Four years. Yeah. Seller finance. So I, okay. I did that. So I got in there and realized really quickly I was kind of in over my head as far as expenses went. I probably should have gone the route of SBA loan or something like that. You know, the people like you that are having podcasts now to kind of give that, give those nuggets out. Yeah. I, either, either it didn't exist or I didn't know where to find it. And sure. um, so the only thing I knew to do was to grind. I was the store manager. I was a delivery guy. I was a sales associate. I was, I was yep. everything. Uh, and about six months in, I called um, a guy who uh, he and I had worked together up in New York. And we knew one day that we wanted to kind of own stores together. And I called him and I said, dude, I need you to get here quick. If you can just sell, then I will go be delivery guy. I'll go do all these other things. But I I'm being pulled in too many directions. Yeah. And uh, so he did. He moved from uh, from Oklahoma to uh, to Georgia. Corey did an amazing job uh, with that transition. But, you know, we, we didn't have the money to do a whole lot. So we literally lived inside our store. There, There's a yeah. shower there. 
there's a there's a break room that you know we we would sneak out pretend like we weren't living there so nobody would really know but (laughs) you know so uh so we we went through that whole thing for about a year and a half and then you know about the year and a half mark we we were like okay we we kind of see we kind of see a bigger light here and um and that's when the wheels just kind of started turning at a higher level we started making some money and we were like hey let's just reinvest everything we have let's go out and get a get another store and then you know four months later let's go out and get another store store. and we just kind of you know it literally just kind of snowballed from there yeah yeah Okay. So let me, let me, um, break this down a little bit because you've given us, I mean, what an incredible story, but so many practicals already. So what I heard you say, number one is you were being precise or, um, smart with your money before you decided to purchase. So you weren't buying dumb stuff. You know, now you said you lived in a nice area, a Pensacola, I love Pensacola. One of my franchises is there. had no idea that you lived there, but, um, beautiful town, but you weren't, blowing your money. And so what that enabled you to do when opportunity came to knock, when luck, quote unquote, came to knock, you were ready. It wasn't luck. It was something that you had been preparing for. And so you purchased your first location. And then I heard you say, holy smokes, I bit off more than I could chew. And isn't it so, as most entrepreneurs think, it's going to be easier than it is. It's going to take less money. It just is always going to take longer. It's going to be harder. It's going to take more money than we ever think. And you got to experience that firsthand, which is probably was a little bit of a humble pie, you know, a little bit. It definitely was. Yes. <laughs> when when you're the owner, because I've been in the same shoe, when sure. you're the owner and everybody's looking at you thinking that you're making all the money and literally everybody on the team is making, even if they're making only $10 an hour, they're making more than you. <laughs> Dude, and it was so crazy. Like I was writing the checks out for payroll and I'm biting my fingernails and I'm like, I hope this check goes through. Uh, you know, those type, those type things. And I wasn't paying myself. I'm still kind of living off a little bit of those savings. And thank goodness I had a wife that, you know, was an officer in the Navy and, you know, she's, she's doing things on, on her side and and we're, you know, we're kind of balancing, balancing life. Um, We're balancing life. We're balancing um, business. We're, 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 we're trying to, you know, achieve this big dream. And then once those wheels, you know, the traction kind of caught and I'm like, Okay, so once I got to the the third location, you know, two years in or whatever, I, I started realizing, hey, I've got to put some processes into place because I can't be in all three of these locations at once, and I can't just field phone calls twenty four seven. Like we have to write down some of these processes, and yeah. and so we did, and we got better because of it. Yeah, I love I love that you're saying the process. Um, I also think it's unique that you said it three. Because most humans would think you can't be in two places at once, but you and I both know that you can be in two places at once. <laughs> you have to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there's not enough revenue usually with two locations to where you you can't. And so literally exactly. you just split your time, you become a, a workaholic and, and two is way worse than one or five for that matter. Exactly. But on that note, what I heard you say is that you realize that, okay, I need to bring in somebody to, to help me and in, in essence, get out of my way. This ties back to what you said about your parents. Like you saw them work as an operator in the business, as the delivery, as the sales, all this stuff. You didn't want that. And that's what you were stuck doing. So you had to make some shifts. You called in your buddy to be a sales guy. Eventually, it sounds like you guys uh, went ahead and partnered in in the future deals. But then you realized that at some point it got big enough to where it's like, holy smokes. Well, also what that means is that you didn't have to have it all figured out first, right? So you took action. You took a ton of action. 
Yeah, I, that, very, very good point there. And, you know, so many people stand around and just, you know, they, they overthink their issues. They overthink everything. And I, yeah. it's so funny. I've, I've got some friends that are in the business, you know, in, in other States and, and they're always saying like, Matt, you're just a doer. You, you're, you don't overthink things. You just do it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah because we, we always hear like, Hey, go make mistakes. I, go make small mistakes and, and make sure they don't become big mistakes. And I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that. I, I have made plenty of those, but you know, I, I've overcome them and, and, but I have always taken action. You know. Well, the action comes with decision, right? So you got to be able to decide because the action comes right after it. And if you get stuck in the decision process, which you had had a little bit of time, but you are making good decisions along the way. And obviously you can see where I'm transitioning here, but even in the way that you reached out to me. So some of you guys don't know this, but I run ads. I run ads for lots of parts of my businesses, but I run ads to get guests on this show because I value the audience. I want to bring good guests. I value good content. I don't know if me and Matt are ever going to do anything together. I think it'd be kind of cool, sweet partner on some deals. So maybe we do. I don't know, but I don't know if we're going to do anything together or not. But man, this, like now that I know you, there's people in your network that I need to know. There's people in my network that you need to know, like all because I took the risk, quote unquote, of putting out an ad. And then you took the risk of going, let me see what this guy's about. Again, it's decision and then an action. And let's just see what happens. You know, like there's just so much value in that. But quickly followed by, okay, if you're going to have growth and, and, and scale, there's going to have to be teams and process. And, and this can't be just by the hip of our, you know, by the hip anymore, you know? So I'm going to transition over to decisions because we've clearly outlined that you are a pretty good decision maker, or at least a fast decision maker that follows up with action. And if it was a bad decision, you probably just, you know, wiggled and figured we it do. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so give pretty me a much. good example of one of those bad decisions that you made that was just, you know, potentially catastrophic but you figured it out. You learned a bunch. Share with us what that was. Sure. I would say that, um, you know, once I got to three locations, you know, I kind of started patting myself on the back and being proud for what I had accomplished. And I said, yeah. okay, I'm getting pretty good at this. The team is, the team's kind of figuring out how I'm leading. And instead of going deeper in furniture, I'm going to go wider. I'm going to go off into, you know, a, a new sector. I'm going to, I'm going to go figure something out. And, um, I made the extremely unwise choice of opening a car dealership. And um, (laughs) (laughs) you didn't say some little mom and pop. No, you said a car dealership. Wow. Okay. Keep going. We are on the edge of our seat over here. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so I had never sold cars. I'd never been on the finance side of cars. I had never, I'd never done anything having to do with automobiles at all, other than buying trucks for my businesses and so I, you know, I, I recruited a guy that, you know, I thought was good in, in, uh, in sales, car sales. And, and I said, Hey, let's go just, you know, jump into this venture. Let's just start a car dealership from scratch. And, and we did, and we, we lost our ass, but, you know, tons of decisions after that, uh, were, were made, uh, that, that, you know, pulled me back on track. But I think, sure. you know, in my mind, you, you asked why was that a bad decision? Because I, you know, I, I felt like because I'm good at this, I was able to just go wider instead of deeper. And probably yeah. the reason that, you know, I've got 14 furniture locations now and I'm still out looking for more is, you know, why not go with what you're good at? Like, I really feel like I'm good at this thing. Like I understand furniture. I understand marketing. I understand sales. I understand leadership. Yeah. Like I understand a lot of these things having to do with furniture. Why go get wide? Like go, I'm, I'm fine with yeah. going deep. It's good. I, I love that perspective. Obviously there's entrepreneurs on both sides of, of that coin, but you're so right. 
about at the certain level, you started reading your press clippings. And because of that, it gave you this false sense of pride, really, where you could go try something new or spend money. Like you, you can fill in the blank. Like the listener right now sure. knows this moment for them because even at the six figure mark, here's probably what more likely it feels for them. They don't maybe have three locations of something or they're not doing millions of dollars yet. But probably what happened is that they they signed three new clients. They got really, really excited about those three new clients or those three new decks or those three new whatevers. And it's like a good a chunk change for them. Like they're like, oh, this is awesome. And then they went to Mexico for two weeks or uh-huh. they, you know, went and bought a, a sports car um, right. or whatever. And it's just like, the press clippings because you felt good about what you had done wasn't followed with continued good action or good decisions. In this case, your decision was just to go a different direction for you. That didn't work out, but that same principle that you're showing us is so incredibly valuable. And so tell me now, like how that, obviously you said that what that means is that you've gone deeper, but the principle that I'm kind of, that we're kind of kicking back and forth here, which is repeat what's already worked, whether that's you stand you're in the same lane or you, well, there's a, there's a lot that I could break down from that. Uh, uh, great to bring that point up is one of the things now is I took a step back after I after that whole miserable failure as far as car dealership went. And yeah. I said, OK, actually, you know, what part of business am I good at? Like, what am I best at? And so, you know, I'm, I'm really good at networking. I'm really good at figuring out how I can bring value to the people that are around me. That, you know, like that type of getting in with business. And and I think that the whole partner thing is kind of where I'm at now um, as far as business goes is, you know, I want to find people either within my network or close to my network that I can bring enough value to them and they can bring enough value to me that it makes sense to go do something else that I would never open, you know, another car dealership by myself now. But uh, if somebody came along that had a, a you know, ha- had a, a really rich, deep history in cars that right. maybe didn't understand marketing or maybe didn't understand how to train leaders or how right. to network, all these different things. So, you know, the business partner side of it now is probably where, you know, where I'm at and why those decisions are better now. And and yeah. um, I, I hope that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And, I, and I, I'm going to second what you're saying is that not only in the business partnership level, I'm going to bring it down just a quick notch because you've done this same exact process inside of your teams. You haven't said it a whole bunch yet, but based on what you're saying, I know that you have, as well as the fact that you have 14 locations, you obviously know how to build teams. Um, And so that's where the six-figure owner is right now that's listening. They're thinking, oh man, I'm terrified to hire my first person or maybe my second or my third or maybe my fifth person. And maybe that one crew leader or that one team leader or that one manager level. And it's the same thing. Like when they're looking at that manager level or even just their new team member, ideally they've already been honest with themselves enough as an, as an entrepreneur, as an owner of what it is that they're good at and what it is that they need on their team to help propel them forward or propel the business. So the same principles, Matt, that you're, that you're saying apply even at a low level because they have to be able to mix those things together. Does that make sense? Yeah, you can scale those. I think the, the term scale is is so relevant here. Just saying, no matter where you're at in your life, whether you're at a store manager level trying to get to be an owner or at an owner level trying to get to, you know, multi-location, whatever it is that you're at, it, it, these principles are, are so scalable up and down. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I'm going to go back to real quick here. I don't share a, usually a ton um, about my businesses, but 
um, I'm, I'm, I have a, a couple of different real estate arms and I'm merging and or building a team right now um, in one of them. And, and I don't know if I would have done what I'm doing now, you know, five or six or 10 years ago, especially when you're, when you're trying to raise up and scale, like you're saying, a lot of it's like, how can I muster my own? Right. And that's usually the problem with a six figure mark is that what can I do? And it's like, no, 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 I need a who, <laughs> well, yeah. who are the who's around me, you know? And so now knowing these things, even myself, like what you're saying is that my mindset is who do I know that's really good on the acquisition side? Who do I know on the project management side? Who do I know on this side of the bangle? I, I can see the whole business and I can see where we're going to go and the vision of what we're going to accomplish. But now I just, now I need puzzle pieces. And it doesn't mean that I'm the only owner and they're just on my team. Although that could be, these guys are going to be owners, you know? So from like what you're saying, that partnership perspective of bringing in the right key players of just a team that can work together is, is crucial. And, and clearly it's been for you as well. Yeah. And I, I think one big mistake that people that might be at a six figure level, some of them will make is they go into the, looking at those partnerships of saying, how can they bring value to my organization? you know, extracting that value, extracting the value, extracting the value. And I think one of the big things that has helped me is the day that I realized, you know, that it's got to be me. What, you know, I go into every, every single one of these partnerships of saying, you know, how could I add value to this deal and make sure that it's going to work from that side? Because if, if all it is, is you're pulling that value out, that, that cup's going to run dry pretty quick. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm very, very particular and I'm, I'm sure you are too, but you know, of, of making sure that I'm going to be adding as much value to this whole thing as, as the people that I'm going out to talk to. Totally. You know, it's funny. It makes me think of, I was having a lunch uh, with two guys um, that I've, you know, uh, circled up with here in the last couple of months. And we've done some business strategy and it's just a couple of meetings and stuff. It's been really fun, but we had a lunch together and it was like an argument on who was going to pay. You know, yeah, yeah. And I loved it because um, it wasn't like an actual argument, as you know, but man, I dreamed, especially coming from a single mom house and, you know, having literally nothing given to me. I just dreamed of the moment where I was going to have friends at a high level to where it wasn't like I was the only person taking care of it or you were the only person taking care of it, but that it was like we could take care of it 10 times over and it would be no problem. But that like, I wanted to honor you or I wanted to bring value to you is what you're saying. Right. And so it's funny because the one guy that ended up winning the ticket, if you will, he was like, he said one, he said one phrase, he said, uh, excuse me, you guys are my guests today. And I literally just, Hey, great. Sounds good. You know, like it wasn't even an argument because that was his value that he was bringing to the deal. He was hosting us. We were in his city. We had gone to his office and you had, you would have already thought that he had already provided so much value, but no, no, no. All the way down to the, you know, $12 lunch that we had, you know? And it was amazing to have that experience, even at this high level. It's just like when you bring value, everything else falls into place. I love it. That's what, you know, I, I, I don't talk about it a whole, often, uh, a whole lot, but, um, you know, I do have a plane. I do fly. And uh, one, one of the cool things, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I'm flying the plane. We land at the airport and I immediately get out and start filling up the tanks with the fuel. And before I can even get finished filling up the guy that was flying next to me, he'd already gone inside and paid for all the fuel. And I'm like, dude, I'll, I'll take care of that. Like, it, it's okay. It, you know, it's my plane. And he's like, no, 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 you flew the plane. That's, that's plenty of value. You actually flew this thing. You know, we're, we're, we're landing for a, we're landing for a hamburger and to, to have a good time. I'll take care of the fuel. And, and yeah, um, yeah same exact type thing. I, I love that where, 
you know, I, I knew I brought value. He knew he brought value. We had fun yep. and nobody argued like, let, let's, let's go. Exactly. Exactly. And, and unfortunately you have uh, so many small thinkers that were thinking, well, geez, that was a really expensive cheeseburger. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. The time, the time and what you learned and, and just the, the, who you're going to meet through that person, like money doesn't even matter at this point. And it's so difficult. I'm just, I'm going to try to correlate this back to the six figure mark because, um, I just remember being scared to make investments, not, not just necessarily in the business. I always wanted to pour into myself. I was a big reader, like education was not big for me, but like, I was a big educator to myself. Like I wanted to listen to audios and YouTube, you know, YouTube videos and books and, and stuff, but I wanted to be risk everything for the business, but I just got nervous around meeting people or, you know, the, the things that you're just like, is there an ROI there? Marketing sometimes is a big one. Like where you're just like, Oh yeah. Can I see the ROI on that? Like, I don't know, but I need to be known, you know? So like you haven't being known on this podcast, like it, I don't know if how it directly helps me, but, but now we know each other, you know? So exactly. How, how yeah. would you say with your experience, given this topic that we're kind of just talking about here, the six figure mark, when they're just like, Oh, so terrified. Sometimes there isn't much money, but right. sometimes there is, and they need to make a bigger decision that makes them super uncomfortable, like you and I do all the time now. It's, it's We're used to it. But how do you suggest that they do that at that level? To me, it, I, I'm such a doer that I'm like, it's so cool in the last three or four years uh, that, I, that I've been able to, um, you know, to, to look at a situation, literally just say, does it make sense? And, you know, right. if you get that gut feeling like, hey, does it make sense monetarily? Does it make sense for my direction of where I'm trying to go? If sure. you can honestly say, does this make sense for me right now? Do it. And if not, be okay with saying, you know, not now. You don't right. have to say no, but just say, hey, not now. There might be a time for it in the future. But yeah. once you make that decision, don't think about it again. Like don't agonize over and over of, damn it, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have made that or maybe I should have or maybe this or maybe sure. that. Like you made the decision. Once you make it, keep moving. There's so much else that needs your attention besides continuing to look in the rearview mirror of saying, should I have made that decision? Does it make sense for me now? If not, move on. Yeah, I love that. Um, that that just way of thinking. I think it's super valuable at all levels. In fact, I would venture to say that that's how you and I have gotten to where we are. So just love that. I want to go back. I want a good decision. We kind of talked about the bad decision. Did we, did we sneak in a good decision in there? Give me a good decision that you've made along the way that's just super impactful. Good decision. Yeah, yeah, single single good decision. Yeah. Um. Wow. Uh. Probably the the first was the the very first time I took over a bankrupt store. You know that that was really agonizing for me because I I saw all the possibilities of this is what it could be, but you know I I was sitting at that six figure mark. It was my fourth location. And, you know, they called me on a, on a Tuesday and they said, Hey, uh, we really want you to have this location. This is how the deal could be structured. You let us know, you know, right. how, how it would work out in your head. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, but the store is not making any money. And I'm at the six, I'm at the six figure level and I'm going to have to pour a lot of money into this thing. Yep. You know, I don't know if I have the resources. I don't know if I have the money. I don't know if I have all this. I'm, I'm at the six figure level. I'm busting my butt. I'm doing all that I can. Right. And I said, and it, it, that was probably that first big decision. Like we just talked about where I, I kind of snapped my fingers and said, does it make sense? Yes, it makes sense because I want a good challenge. I've always said I wanted a good challenge. This is probably my biggest challenge so far of, you know, going into a store that's not making money. And 
two months later, I'm fifty, sixty thousand dollars into the whole thing. You know, my CPA sent me that first paper saying we're cash flowing, and I'm like, yeah. dude, we're two months in. We're yeah. we're literally like this worked out exactly like like my head played it out to be, and I'm like, <laughs> dude, we're let's roll. If if I if I can now if I can just do this a few more times, I'm into the seven yeah. figures. Yep. And and yep. that that's where we were. So you know, store four comes in. Uh, 2017. And, you know, so I had, I'd been in that game for two solid years. And, and then, you know, four months later, they called me back and said, we've got another one. And I said, let me analyze it. And, yep. you know, a day later I called back and I, I said, yes, I'll do it. And they're like, usually it takes people like a month. I said, yeah, e- either, okay. either it's a good deal or it's not. And so I, I said, I made the decision and that, that was it. That was kind of what got me from six to seven figures. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, good decisions on analyzing, but not too much, taking action. And then once you found something that worked, man, you did it again and again and a couple more times since then. Um, <laughs> like that's how that's how businesses work, especially at the six-figure mark. You kind of you you said something you didn't even realize it, but at the six-figure mark, what you have to do is you have to find a repeatable process. Marketing, sales, fulfill your product, finance, like repeat, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and you got to do that enough times to get yeah. to the mark where you can just have enough resources to, uh, to climb out. Um, okay. Now we're ready for the speed round. I want to know, Matt, if in all of your locations, if you could only pick one metric to track in all of your teams, sales, marketing, the whole, like across all boards, what would you track one metric? I would track the, um, the customer's response to mm-hmm. the follow-up call after the sale. Interesting. And you guys are doing a follow-up call to get a review or like, how did it go? How'd the installation yeah, if you, go? If you, got, if, if you got a delivery yesterday of furniture, our sales associates are going to call and, and say, you know, hey, hey Chaz, uh, you got that bedroom suit uh, earlier this week. How's the mattress sleeping? How's the bedroom looking? How's the missus thinking about how it's looking? Like, right. is everything perfect? And you've got a short window in there where they're, they're going to tell you the truth. I mean, if something's not working out right, yeah. the, the wife knows it quick. The husband's feeling it quick, quick, you know, those type things that are going back and forth. And, you know, all of those calls are recorded. I go in and listen to those calls. And I think that's a very important, you know, you want to get the truth. You want to get the feedback. And, you know, if if it has lingered on for three or four weeks, you're probably not going to get the truth because the husband at that point has said, we're okay. We're good. We'll just keep this thing. We'll just not be happy. But if you can catch it in that first, you know, that first day, that first three days yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I love the the truth, you know, but it, it's like an interview. Like if you're trying to hire somebody oh, in an interview, they're going to put up, put their best foot forward. They're going to, you know, probably say a few things that really aren't true. And so a big metric for me is the, the, the reply to our follow-up. Yeah. I, I love how you broke it down. You bro, if someone just listened to that one answer and they didn't listen to any of our conversation leading up and they listened to that one answer and then they stopped the show right now, that in itself, I think, is something that will grow your business because what you're checking on is your experience. And then even in, you know, like our franchise world, Edible Arrangements, we do something similar. But a lot of a lot of people shy away from that because they're like, well, what if we find out that it wasn't right? Well, then make then it right. We get a chance to fix it. <laughs> yes. And that's the that's the that's the biggest issue in like sales. People get so scared. They're like, Oh, and, and even as far you, we talked about Facebook, Let, let's talk about this for just a minute. We can, we can pause speed round for just a minute. But if you are thinking about doing Facebook marketing or social media marketing in general, and your, your biggest fear has anything to do with, 
well, what if somebody puts a negative comment on one of my ads? That should tell you, like, that's your chance to overcome an issue. That's your chance to overcome a problem. Go hard after that stuff. But, you know, fix the problem. If they're saying, hey, I had an issue with this, fix it. Like, why not? The minute you fix a problem for a customer or potential customer is the minute you've gained a customer for life. If somebody told you, hey, I got a couple of strawberries and edible arrangements that weren't actually very good, and you send them six more and say, hey, this one's on me, guess where they're going next time? Edible arrangements, 100%. Yep. And, and, And it's funny too, because as an owner, you have to realize that. And that can, that can translate into any trade, any retail store, sure. any, any, anything, but then communicating that to a team. Right. And so right. getting even my teams and multiple locations to understand that like, no, no, I don't want to be combative. I like, okay. Is someone lying about the strawberries? Yes. There's going to be some people who want a free arrangement. You know what? But the ones who aren't, we need to take care of them. We need to take care of all of them to make sure that the ones that aren't lying are taken exactly. care of because they're the ones that are going to come back. Um, so it, it's just funny in a, in a super fast paced environment that we live in, in today's world that a lot of people miss that. So thank you for giving that to us. That in itself was worth the entire show. So thank you. What sure. book would you recommend that a six figure owner read to get to the seven figure mark? Oh, great question. Um, one that I have read three times and I actually turned it on again last night as I drove is it's your ship by Michael Abershoff. Ooh. He, okay. I've, I've never he, heard of this. So give me, give me your, give me your uh, high level. Oh, dude. The basis of it's your ship is that uh, Mike was, uh, he, he went to the Naval Academy, all, you know, all, all obviously true story leadership book. He went yep. to the Naval Academy. He graduated at the bottom of, of uh, his class, which meant he got sent to a really crap ship. Um because all the top guys got sent to the very newest ships and, you know, they started training on those. And what happened was he went to a ship that um, the, the sailors were leaving at like, they, they only had like a 20% retention rate. So the sailors were leaving at an 80% rate. So wow. the team was not engaged. Nobody wanted to be there. Um, you know, the team that he had on that ship was not functioning yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but he started to see, how he could he could do a few things differently and he had to push through all this government red tape to Mm -hmm. to kind of get the ship where it needed to be um but the biggest key was he let his people run the ship like he he got on the ground level and went and just kind of started asking them like hey what what could we do better that would make you stick around and what could we do better to make this ship run things like you know they, they had they had to replace the rust on the ship um, twice a year, uh, they had to completely paint the entire ship because the screws on one side of the ship that they used um, would rust out and they it would drip all the way down the ship. And they had to repaint yeah. the entire ship every year um, because the screws. So he went and asked this one guy and he's like, hey, I've told him many times, like, if we change these screws, we wouldn't have to paint the ship. Wow. And they and they changed the screws, and then guess what? They saved six hundred thousand dollars by not having to paint the ship. And wow. so it's just a book full of here's how I jumped through the red tape. Here's how I allowed my people to. Uh, I, I gave them the ability to run the ship, and they ran the ship, and they ran it very well. And I just oversaw it, and yeah. um, just a, an amazing, amazing book. Lots of books come to my mind that uh, have similar um, 
stories, but man, um, so good to empower your team, especially the six figure mark, because <laughs> the six figure owner doesn't think that anybody else can do it as well as they can. And so uh, getting out of their own way, as we call it, usually looks like giving things away. And, and, and in this case, it's, Hey, what do you think? And he says, try a new, try a new ship or try a new uh, screw. So love it. Okay. Yeah. Do you intentionally network and mastermind with other owners and why? Yes, I intentionally, uh, I, I do intentionally do that. Um, and because, you know, at the six figure mark, it's really, or, or, I'm sorry, at the seven figure mark, it's really not about, you know, is there enough money there to do this project? It's like, you know, yes, I could probably do the project, but, you know, I, I, I need the people around me to make sure that, that things are right. And so the whole premise of expanding mine, I could make one phone call. If you had any issue right now of, I mean, literally think of any issue you could possibly have, I can't fix that issue for you. But because I have brought lots of value to the people around me, I could pick up one of these phones here next to me right now. And because of the network I'm involved in, because of the people I'm around, I can get that taken care of for you in a matter of probably 10 or 15 minutes. And so I want to continue to expand that network. I want to bring massive value to the people around me. And I also want to just be, I want to be a part of those bigger things. I I want to be at that eight figure level or what, you know, I I don't even know. I'd like to to know, you know, quick question for you going back. When you say seven figure level, eight figure level, what what do you mean by that? Like, do do you mean, it's so funny. Um, I have a lot of entrepreneurs that ask me this and, and for, for simplicity purposes, we keep it at business revenue. Um, and, and so for that, I can only imagine that you're probably not at the seven figure mark, but, um, much, sure. much, much more. But the reality of it is, is that what you're saying is that that seven figure mark, when, when, whether you are earning a million bucks or whether you're controlling a million bucks, because even if I'm doing seven figures in my business, that it still comes through my account, Right. I'm still sure. the one deciding where it goes. Now, granted, I might have a bunch of things to pay for and I don't get to take it all home in, in maybe my, my construction business or my whatever type of business I have, but I'm still the decider, like you said, of where those funds go. And the conversation at that point is now very different. It's not, I can't do it myself. It's about my team. It's about community. It's about networking. It's about bigger projects. It's about my purpose, you know? And so Really, I just I just even appreciate the question because there's so many guys even at the six figure mark that are just like, oh, like I just making a million bucks, even in revenue, let alone them taking it home, just seems right. so far away and impossible. I mean, stats say that only nine percent of businesses do seven figures in revenue or more. So it's like based on the stats, they don't have much of a chance. But you and I both know that it's not it's not that hard. It's but- really, really not. I mean, I you know, especially you, you get to that, that multi-level, or I, I guess once you hit that seven figure level, it, it seems to just kind of take off from there. Of yeah. You know, you, you, you start getting recognized, you know, and, and, you know, people start talking and, and, yeah. you know, people start, you know, they start asking about you and, you know, I have people approach me now and asking, Hey, you want to, do? it's not just me having to go out and look for people to do deals with, People yeah. are approaching me now saying, hey, I want to do this deal with you. I want to yep. do this deal with you. And that's a really cool it place is. to be in, in, in you know, in eight, eight figures. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah man. I I, uh, I appreciate the just um, even just humility that you carry and all that. I think that the, the word fun is just a place that a lot of people want to get to in business, but have no systems or structure on how to do so. Um, last question for you, Matt. You ready? Sure. If you lost it all, 
all 14 locations burned down. Nobody gets hurt, of course. <laughs> sure. It's all gone is the point. Um, what do you do? What do you do? Wow. Uh, I would start building again. Uh, but, you know, I believe that sales is sales is sales. Um, and I, I really enjoy the sales side. And I would I would find a way to fix other people's problems to to get back to the level that I'm at today. And I, that's really what the basis of business is, the basis of sales is. And yep. um, I go out, go out and fix people's problems and and figure fig, figure out a way, because if all that happened today, uh, it's going to look one way. If it if it happens six months from now, it's probably going to look a lot different in, yep. in the way that all that goes down. And exactly. Uh, so what, what whatever the biggest issue is, like right now, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of starting to come out of the supply chain issues, but we're we're neck deep in. Um, you know, how to hire, how to keep your people engaged and all that type of stuff. So I think I've got a pretty, you know, a pretty good handle on that side of business. And yeah. I think I could, br- I could bring massive value to, to somebody else and help fix their problem on that type of thing. So that's, that's probably where I would go. Yeah. I heard you say, first off, you w- wouldn't be uh, afraid to take another risk um, just because these went away that you, it's not like you wouldn't do it again. But then specifically, I heard you say you'd reach into the skill sets that you've learned and that you've grown yourself in over time and replicate mm-hmm. just do it all over again yeah and, and use the network uh that that i've built i mean i think that's something that you're really big on is network and you know those people are going to want to you know if you have brought them enough value it's kind of like that reciprocity uh totally. value of you if i have brought you massive value and something happens to me and i come to you I'm going to want to bring massive value directly to you. And if you have seen me be legit on other fronts, I'm sure you can, you can help me back. And, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I love it. Uh, Matt, you've been incredible today. Thank you for just going out and uh, taking a chance and opening, uh, well, buying your parents location. And, and even though you didn't want to do that initially, um, you turned it into everything that you desired it for, you know, to be. And, and so as another entrepreneur, just thank you for pushing into the marketplace and making things happen because, man, you've made a way and you've shared with us today so much value. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We wish you absolutely nothing but success in, in your furniture and then future deals. <laughs> I sincerely appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And uh, um, holler at me on social media if any of you guys see me. Uh, holler at me, uh, Matt Pridemore or The Franchise Builder. I've got uh, I've got a podcast as well. So uh, yep. Come let, let's uh, let's go back and forth and have some fun with it. Yeah, to say say that out loud again because I was I was getting ready to ask you where do they find you if they want to connect with you? Social media. I know you got a podcast. You're looking for other franchisees. Like give give them a, give them a quick spiel. Yeah, Matt Pridemore, P R I D E M O R E. I'm on all the major uh, you know Instagram, Facebook, all that type of stuff. The Franchise Builder is my podcast. I enjoy talking to other uh, other franchise uh, type people. Uh, I've had as a uh, as a guest on mine as well uh just going back and forth so uh, i'm out there find me connect with me talk to me uh any way that i can bring you value would love yeah. to make that happen so holler at me absolutely yes uh thank you for uh just offering that as well as just um being being a, a man of value so you like i said you've you brought us a ton today um thank you for being thank here. you so much Chaz. thank you Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. 
And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.